So our scripture reading tonight comes out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, and you can follow along in your programs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This semester, we have been looking together at what does it mean to be fully human? What does it mean to flourish as a human being in the fullest sense of the word? And um, because I, I, I think that if there's one thing that's true about all of us in the room, it's that none of us want to just do the sort of bare minimum in life and squeak by. But all of us want to know, who was I created to be? Uh, what kind of person uh, am I supposed to be? And the Bible sums up what it means to be fully human in what it calls the fruit of the Spirit. That as you um, come to know Jesus and he takes up residence in your life, he begins to develop this fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that that is what it looks like as you become more and more like Jesus as as this fruit begins to bear itself out in how you think and how you treat others and how you live in the world, how you work, how you go to school. Then you begin to flourish as a human being. So to flourish as a human being tonight... You need goodness. We look at love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, and now tonight, goodness. And the word goodness basically means that you have integrity. It means that you're the same person whether you're by yourself or you're with others. It means you're the same person, and this sounds impossible because I think indeed it is impossible. You're the same person inside that you are outside to other people. Um, I have, uh, so I started having this tooth pain a couple weeks ago and uh, I had a, I had a root canal a couple years ago. It was a free root canal, which should be your first indication that (laughs) this was not going to turn out well. Um, I had a root canal done and, uh, so, you know, when you get a root canal, there's like a crown that goes on like a fake tooth. And I started thinking it was a little wobbly and I started thinking the crown's probably loose and they just need to glue it on there a little bit better. And uh, so, but I went to the dentist because it finally got to be super painful and they did x-rays and the dentist came in and she said, does it feel squishy at all? And uh, I was like, you know, now that you say that, uh, it does kind of feel squishy. Um, Because when she did an x-ray of my tooth, she saw that the inside of my tooth was not the same as the outside of my tooth. It was, uh, and you could say that it was not a good tooth. Right, um, it was. It didn't have integrity all the way through. Right, um, so if, if if you are good, if you're embodying goodness, it means that you're solid. That you're the same all the way through. You're the same. You're consistent all the time. And to understand what goodness looks like, I think it's helpful to start with what the opposite of goodness is, um, and that is hypocrisy. Um, One of the biggest criticisms that religious people get, and very fairly, especially Christian people get, is that we are hypocrites, right? That we act one way with some people and we act another way with others. And it's absolutely true, by the way, that religious people are hypocrites, especially Christians, especially me. Um, before, uh, Before, by God's grace... He saved me and brought me to know Jesus. Uh, I was a very skeptical person of religion in general and Christianity particularly. And part of that was because there was this person in my family that, um, you know, my mom, she was a single mom, only child. And we, we were relatively 
not well off. And she was doing her best, man. Like she was working really hard and she was trying. But we didn't go to church. So this wasn't part of our, our life. And uh, we had this family member and he used to call all the time. And he would just harangue my mom about, you need to get that boy in church. You need to get that boy in church. And, um, and that hurt me because I was like, she's trying really hard. But it also made me hard and, and bitter toward Christians because this guy was, a, was professing faith in Jesus. But I knew him to be a terrible father. And I also knew him to make his living, he made his life, basically off of taking advantage of the poor. That he, he used the poor, and I won't get into what it all means um, and what that looked like, but he took advantage of the poor. And so I'm sitting there as a non-Christian going, this guy says he believes in Jesus and follows Jesus, and I'm pretty sure Jesus had like a lot of things to say about caring for poor people. He was a hypocrite. And religious people are terribly hypocritical people um, because we say we believe one thing, and then we, we don't act in accord with that. But at some point along my journey to come to faith, I had this terrible realization, which was that I was also fairly hypocritical, that I was not the same person all the time. Um, because I think if we're honest, our character largely depends on who is around us. The way that we act, the way that we live, the way that we treat people depends on who we're with, generally, generally speaking. Um, Everybody in college that gets a roommate, especially if you didn't grow up with siblings like me, I was the only child. When you get roommates, you realize how just terribly inconsistent people are. Because that person that was really cool that sat next to you in your biology class, and they were like really kind and fun, and you used to like go out after class and go to Central for lunch. Once you live with them you realize that they're not the same person when they come home at the end of a long day of class. Because when they walk into the house, they suddenly take off the mask, take off the bag, take off the weight, and they become who they really are, right? And you don't like that person anymore. And you find yourself longing to just be like their chem lab partner, but like never actually have to live with them. Um, think, think about your own internal dialogue, okay? Most of the interactions you have in a day... What you're saying versus what you were thinking. Um, people say, you know, I, I want someone that's going to be real with me. That's not going to be fake. And like, I think I understand what people are saying. But if your internal dialogue about other people is anything at all like my internal dialogue about other people, please do not ever be real with me. Um, please always be super fake. I would really rather appreciate that you were real with me. Um, or thinking about hypocrisy, think about when that special person texts you, you know, Aww. and uh, the care that goes into crafting that response text, you know, do I send it with confetti? Do I send it with the heart? That's a little too obvious on the nose. So then you just send like a funny gift. Think about how, how you think about crafting that text versus how you respond to like your needy friend who has texted you like 11 times already today. And you're like, we, we, were, we went through this on Tuesday night. We went through this on Monday night. Um, and I think that like no matter where you come from tonight, whether you're like, I believe in Jesus, I'm a, I'm a religious person, whether you're not, 
I think it's fair to say that none of us even meet our own standards for how we think we ought to treat people, for how we ought to be behind closed doors and how we ought to be with other people. And we generally just act however we need to to get the approval of the people that we, that we want to approve of us. We want to be thought well of. Um, you know, for example, uh, like I think generally speaking, we would prefer, we would, I think as, as a majority white room, we would typically not, we're typically less interested in equity and justice for people of color than we are to, for people not to think that we're racist. Like if we could choose between true equity and this you not thinking I'm racist, generally we would just go with you not thinking that I'm racist. Um, my friend Dawn, uh, she's, she's a friend of mine's wife, she always says, you know, she's like, you know, the church is, is full of, of hypocrites. And she's like, and there's room for one more. Um, that's like she's like this sweet, really kind woman from South Carolina, and she always says, "Yeah, the, the church is full of hypocrites, and there's room for one more." Um, no matter how we come at it, we're not solid all the way through. I think no matter kind of who we are tonight, um, I, I got a real dose of this this past week because my wife has Crohn's disease, and she. Um, she gets sick sometimes, like really sick. And so from Friday until like last night, she was pretty sick. And so what that meant was like I was doing my job and I was also like helping with the children. <laughs> we have three little children. Um, and I can tell you pretty clearly and confidently and honestly at this moment, I am not the same person when I'm at home with them as I am when me and you are getting coffee together. Like, it's just not... T- and when, I'm ye- when I was yelling at my kids yesterday, what was going through my head wasn't, my, my worry and my anxiety wasn't, what am I doing to my children? It was Liz, who lives in our basement, can Liz hear me right now? Um, <laughs> did she hear me? Uh, and don't answer, because I don't, I don't want to know. Um, we're not solid all the way through. In, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus encounters these religious people called Pharisees. And these guys get all upset because right before they're about to have a meal, there's this certain way that people are supposed to wash their hands. And Jesus doesn't do it. So they get all up in arms about him not washing himself. And uh, Jesus, you know, had had very clear words for the, the very religious among us. And he tells them, hey, you know, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is full of greed and wickedness. You don't even worry about the inside of the cup. But the thing that really sticks with me that he said, and the thing that comes home to land on me, is he said, you know what you're like? You're like unmarked graves. That people walk over them and they don't even know that they're there. What he's saying is people walk and they they think that you're just a a nice bit of grass. When in fact there's bones underneath and there's death and there's rot going on underneath the surface. And that's me for sure. And I think with a minimal amount of self-awareness, we could all realize that we're not good in the sense of having integrity, consistency in ourselves. Um, but the real question for us is, isn't so much, am I good or not? Uh, the real question is, what do I do about the fact that I'm not the same person all the time, that I'm not consistent? Um, and how do you go about becoming good? How do you get to be good? And I think there's a wrong turn that we can take, that we generally take, and then there's a healing term, uh, turn that we can take. 
The wrong turn is this. Um, there's this guy, his name is Charles Taylor. He's a philosopher, Roman Catholic philosopher. And he, he taught at Oxford, so that means that he is aware of things. And um, he, he said that we live in an age of authenticity. And what that means is that we, we believe that the only way to be consistent, the only way to not be a hypocrite, is to look inside ourselves and find that pure inner voice and then follow it. That that's how you get to be a consistent person. You know, you follow your heart wherever it, it leads you. Uh, and that's how you are consistent. And you reject people as oppressive if they're contrary to the voice inside of you. And you welcome people as friends if they don't challenge the voice that is inside of you. And uh, my generation and your generation um, believe that mostly because we were raised on Disney movies. And every Disney movie, basically, until the Pixar like revolution happened, was basically about someone throwing off all of the external constraints of their family, of their culture, of whatever, and just following what was in, inside them. I mean, if you, can you even think of a Disney movie where that's not the main way? You know, Hakuna Matata. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the example that comes to mind to me the most is, is Mulan, um, who's, it's my daughter's favorite Disney movie. It also has the best Disney movie music, I, I personally, besides Frozen. And, um, you know, when, when Mulan is singing, she's looking at her reflection in the water. You guys know this one, right? Okay. Uh, she says, I'm now in a world where I have to hide my heart and what I believe in. But somehow I will show the world what's inside my heart and be loved for who I am. Who, <laughs> I, I, want, I just want to break out singing. Uh, <laughs> Who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection show who I am inside? Thank you. Thank you. I was inspired by you, Sharon. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, she's saying, like, when, when, will, when will what I see on the outside reflect who I really am? Which is the, the person that I am on the inside. But the passage that we have tonight, we finally got to it, says that making that turn inward and looking for consistency inside yourself is actually the worst thing that you can do if you want to be a consistent person. Okay? Look, look in the passage on your sheet. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. He's saying trust in God, and that word don't lean, it's like, it's like a, it's a resting word. It's like the, what you're doing now on your chairs, you're resting your weight on this. You're basically having faith in the chair that you're sitting on. He's saying don't lean, don't rest yourself on your own understanding of the world. Don't trust how you read the situation. That there's something that you should trust more than your perspective. Some of us are good at reading people, and so we trust that read. And then we don't really allow ourselves to like know people or be surprised by them um, because, we, because we trust our own perspective. And then look at verse 7. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Um, don't consider yourself. Like, don't trust your perspective so much that you think that you're wise. Actually, later on in the book of Proverbs, uh, the, pro- the writer of the Proverbs says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Um, he's, what the, the writer is saying is like, look, you need to have a very healthy skepticism about that inner voice that you're trying to, to navigate your life with. And I think that when we look a, across the, um, 
I was just talking to Jaren, and she, she works in the wellness on campus, and I know part of her job is working with people that, with substance abuse. And um, some of the sanest and most clear-thinking people that I've met and that I think they're in our society are people that have struggled with substance addiction because those people generally know that they cannot trust themselves, that there is something with inside, inside of them that will lead them astray. And it's not, that's not because they're addicted to a substance. It's because that substance addiction has helped them see something about their own heart that we all really need to see, which is that our hearts are deceitful, that they're prone to, to, to trick us, and we're far too prone to trust our hearts and to follow them, but basically because of Mulan. Um, and here, here's why that turn toward the inside is, is a wrong turn, or I would submit to you as a wrong turn. Um, seniors in the room, those of you that have made it to RUF in the, night, the week of midterms, um, think about how much you have changed over the last four years of your life. I've been, this is my fourth year at Appalachian, and I came in with some of y'all, you know, and it's like makes me, you know, a little upset to think about it. But all of you have changed considerably in the last four years, maybe except Carter. Carter's pretty much the same as he was before. <laughs> um, uh, but freshmen, like, think about how much you've changed just since, like, this time last year in your senior year of high school. Um, how can looking inside yourself be consistent when you change so much over a fairly short amount of time? Um, the Bible says that you will know a, a person by their fruits, like by what they do. Um, what about your heart has made you think that you can trust it to like guide you, encompass you through the tumultuous waters of life? I think turning inside for consistency is, is a wrong turn. But also, the, the, this passage gives us a healing turn. I think a turn that takes us to true consistency and goodness. And it's this simple. We think that we must look inside to be consistent. And that's exactly why we are inconsistent uh, and hypocritical. What God calls us to do instead is, instead of finding our goodness within ourselves, to actually define our goodness in Him. To, um, to locate our source of stability and consistency and goodness in him who is good and God who is good. And then the thing, what's inside of you will begin to match your actions. The person that you are when you're alone will begin to match the person that you are when you're with other people. Look back at the passage again. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Instead of leaning and resting on your own understanding, lean rest, lie upon God and not yourself. In, in a sense, what he's saying is when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, that's everything in you, your, your, your mind, your will, your emotions. Um, he's saying, let God tell you who you are. And I don't think that there's probably a statement that someone could make from the front of a room right now that feels as wrong to us as saying, let somebody else tell you who you are. That's what he's calling us to do. He's saying, trust in the Lord with your heart. Um, he says, we trust God and we don't lean on his understanding. And the way that I think primarily that we do that is by trusting in Jesus for our security and also by trusting in God's word and reading the scripture and saying, there are things here that don't always feel right to me. There are things that I don't understand. And what we tend to do is we go, that feels wrong, so it's wrong. 
And this thing feels right, so it's right. And what God is saying is, regardless of how you're feeling about what God has revealed to you in the Bible, trust God with it, even when you don't understand it, even when following it seems impossible. You say, I couldn't do that. I couldn't live the way that God's calling me to live. Uh, It's contrary to what's inside me. Um, And if you have questions about the Bible, about its history, about how it came to be, I would love to have those conversations with you. I would love to give you resources. Please don't just sit out there with them. We, got, we trust God with all our heart by trusting in his word. But look at verse 6. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge God in everything you do. That means that every time you go to do something, from the smallest act of your day to the largest, do it in acknowledgement that God is true, that he is at work, that he's near you. Um, let God saturate everything that you do through the day. And when you do that, you will begin to sense that nothing that you do is insignificant. Look at, look at verse 7. He says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. When the Bible says fear God, it doesn't mean be afraid of God. What it means is take a look at God in his immensity. In the fact that he is different than us. That he is other than us. God is vast. He is infinite, he's eternal, and he's unchangeable. In his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness, and in his truth. God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in all those things. He is vast, he's different than us. He says, stand before God and understand your size in relation to him. And you know what will happen if you do that? Look at, look at verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh. And refreshment to your bones. When, when it says refreshment there, the word is actually medicine. It says it will be medicine to your bones. Your bones and your flesh and your soul, which are hurting from trying to follow an internal compass that doesn't always have your best in mind, which isn't good. That you're beat up and you're bruised and your bones are feeling broken. It says when you come to God and you trust in Him, it will be like medicine to your soul and to your body. Um, when Tiger Woods, when his uh, like serial adulteries became public, um, he lost a ton of endorsements. I mean, Tiger Woods had to have like, the most endorsed athlete uh, imaginable. And um, the reason why he lost, and I just remember there was this big thing about, is he going to lose his Nike endorsement? Because it got to be the point where it was like, Tiger Woods and Nike are like almost inseparable as a brand. And um, the reason why companies pull their endorsement from people is because they don't really care what happens in your private life as long as it doesn't become public. Like, as long as people aren't aware of it, uh, then it begins to damage them. All they care about is your public life, and whatever you do privately, just keep it to yourself. But with God, it's actually totally different. It's only when, actually, you begin to own up to the fact of that, you're a, that you have failings, that you're not solid, that you're not good, it's only when you begin to acknowledge your yuckiness and your failings um, that God endorses you, in a sense. That he backs you. That you have a sense that God is for you and behind you. Because we can only come to God in a dependent way. And that's not because God um, it needs to wag his finger at us. It's because God is good. It's because God is consistent. 
Do you realize that that's what is so healing to your bones? Is because inside all of us are desperately seeking something that we can just cast our weight on and know it's going to be okay. Something that's not going to change. Because people change. People lie. Um, And we don't trust in God because we doubt that He is good. And that is what has gotten that is what has gotten us as people into trouble ever since the beginning. Ever since the beginning, God's people, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they ate of this of this fruit that they weren't supposed to. God told them not to. And the first thing they did was they hid. They hid from God, and He came and He said, "Where are you?" And they said, "We ate, and we heard you coming, and we were afraid." Why are they afraid? They're afraid because they don't know whether God is going to be good to them or not. And the reason why we're afraid, the reason why we hide, is because we don't trust that God is good to us. Uh, Jesus models what it looks like to trust in God's goodness because Jesus is the best and most uh, beautiful and full possible human that we could imagine. In, In Luke chapter 18, he's talking to this person that we call the rich young ruler. And this guy comes to him and he says, good teacher. And he asks him a question. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 why do you call me good? Like, nobody is good but God alone. And he's basically telling this guy, you say, you're saying that I'm good, but humans aren't good. But if you come and see, that if you come and see my goodness, if you follow my life, if you, if you explore with me, you will see that I have full integrity because I am, in fact, God. Because Jesus' life was solid all the way through. Um... He was always the same, no matter who he was with. It's amazing if you go back and you read the scripture and think about how consistent Jesus is in his character to everyone around him. I was talking to a friend earlier today, and we were talking about this, and he said, it was funny, he said, do you know what Jesus did behind closed doors when no one else was looking? Uh, He went into the desert for 40 days, and he didn't eat, because he was hungering and thirsting for God. That's what Jesus was doing when he was alone. Um, And here's a terrifying scenario. Someone walks into your room at 2 a.m. Okay? They just, without knocking, they just burst into your room at 2 a.m. And I think that's terrifying for us because we begin to think, like, what would they find? What would they see? Um, And if you had burst into Jesus' room at 2 a.m., you, you wouldn't have found him out. There would have been nothing to discover, nothing to point, your, to point your finger at. He wouldn't have been nursing a resentment. He wouldn't have been quietly trolling Tinder or Facebook. Uh, he, he, wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been feasting his eyes on something that dehumanized and hurt another person. Because Jesus was always the same. It's difficult to even imagine how beautiful that must be. To be on the same on the inside as you are on the outside. And to be the same person no matter who you are with. And it's because God is good. And because he's consistent. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we can trust God when he says this. And if you're not listening to anything else tonight, listen to this. You can trust God when he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Because you think that God is holding out something from you. That he's not going to be good 
to you. And God comes to you and says, I did not withhold my own son, the only consistent one, the only one who had no business being judged for anything, the only one who never would have been found out because he did nothing wrong and he was always loving and kind and merciful and patient. I gave him up. Do you think that there's anything that I'm going to keep from you now? And if God isn't good, you should definitely not trust what he has to say. If, it, if he isn't good, you, then you shouldn't rest in him. How could you rest in him when you're suffering? When your family has been awful to you. When your life takes a hard turn. If God's good, there's, there's nothing there. But if God is good, then you can trust him with it all. Um, if he's consistent, which he says he is, you can trust him with, with all. You can trust in him with all your heart. That's a lot of what the proverb means um, when it says in verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. He doesn't mean that your path isn't going to be difficult. It doesn't mean that your path isn't going to have challenges. He says you know where the path is going to go because it's straight. Because if God is good, the only place that path is going when you follow him and acknowledge him and you trust in him is closer to him, um, which would be in the fullness of joy and beauty. Um, like I said, in, until the Pixar revolution, all the Disney characters were about following that inner voice. But something cool has happened since Pixar movies started coming out with Disney, which is that most of the characters actually openly reject following their own heart. Have you thought about that? Like Buzz Lightyear like knows for a fact that he's like a space ranger. Right? But he's not a space ranger. Like we can all see that. Like, right? And he comes into this community of people. And then suddenly he's able to trust the people around him that they have his best in mind that he's actually confused. And that's what the church is, you know. Um, That's what RUF can be as a a gathering of believers saying, like, help me help you understand who you really are in Jesus. And my favorite example, because I've made it all semester with no Frozen references. Um, Frozen is my favorite movie, probably. Um, And I'll tell you why. Because Elsa, who has this storm inside of her, in her heart, um, an icy storm, um, she, she chooses to follow her heart, right? This is what, the, what Let It Go is all about, the song. She says, I'm just going to be who I am. But she realizes that being who she is has a devastating impact on herself and on everyone around her And what is so beautiful about this movie, I know you guys laugh when I talk about Frozen, what is so beautiful is that the thing that that makes her change and makes her really discover who she is and have life and health and love is that she sees someone else being good to her. Her sister being consistent to her to the point of, I'm going to love you to the point of sacrificing myself for you. That is what begins to melt Elsa's heart. Um, And when we see God as good to us, the same will happen to us. May you trust in the Lord with all your heart. May you lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, may you acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I promise you, it will be medicine to your bones. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we're grateful that you're good. And um, we doubt it. And we don't doubt it because you've been inconsistent with us. We doubt it because we are inconsistent and because we have pain and because we have resentments that we don't want to let go of. And um, 
Lord, we need you to change our minds, to keep us from looking within ourselves to find life and health and to looking to you. Lord, would you teach us what it looks like to lean on you by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.